This week, we dive headlong into the world of gaming and fundraising with a leading platform in the space called Tiltify. This is Using the Whole Whale, a podcast that brings you stories of data and technology in the nonprofit world. My name is George Weiner, your host and the chief whaler of wholewhale.com. Thanks for joining us. I'm thrilled that the CEO, the creative evil overlord of Tiltify.com is here with us. Michael Wasserman, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, well, first off, I feel like I need to address the evil overlord in the room. You're the CEO of Tiltify, but clearly uh, you're having some fun with your title. Can you explain how you uh, evolved to the, the lofty state of overlord? Uh, we just didn't really want to have standard names. As far as the CEO, it's a title that I I feel like I do by default and don't really feel like our company is so corporate that I'm, you know, the CEO, like our CFO is counts on fingers only. Um, so we just kind of decided that titles, you know, could be fun and interesting. People sort of know what everybody does. And, and my staff also kind of started that a little bit. <laughs> um, and it just kind of stuck. And I figured, you know, I don't want to be, you know, chief executive officer. It's so formal, it's just not really what our culture is. And I suppose we might as well now go into what exactly is a Tiltify doing? Tiltify started in 2015 publicly, and we've been fortunate now that we've sort of grown into a top platform in the fundraising space that really focused on especially live stream fundraising and the millennial and Gen Z demographic, really how to maximize turning these streams of what we look at as mini telethons and allowing everybody to raise money for their favorite charities, you know, using these platforms that they love like Twitch and YouTube. Awesome. So to, to translate for me, it is turning all these, you know, crazy folks that are streaming all of these games on uh, the things they play and saying like, hey, here's how you turn this into a fundraiser. Here's how you turn those eyeballs in, into dollars for causes. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. This seems like a super fringe thing, speaking as someone who maybe is only hearing this for the first or second time, uh, a super fringe thing, like sure, people like maybe gaming on the side, but I don't do this. I'm not watching this stuff. How many people are really doing this and how how do you frame the size of this market and opportunity to, uh, to, to people just coming to it? I'll give you the short answer and the long answer. The short answer is a lot more people are doing this than most charities realize. Um, and the longer version of that is that when we started, it was about gaming and streaming. And gamers are classically early adopters of technology. So we originally created this. We were very close with the people at Twitch. We spoke to a ton of broadcasters on Twitch about how they wanted to fundraise, why we were building this. And it really helped us test interactive telethons, essentially, which is the way that we think of them internally. But really, what's happened is that you have this opportunity to connect with people anywhere in the world through these channels. And it doesn't really matter if you game, if you do food, fitness, arts, podcasting, 
any type of live engagement has this really unique opportunity to it. And because of that, Tiltify alone has over 60,000 fundraisers on it. Twitch announced this year that they had done well over $100 million, and a lot of that is with Tiltify as the fundraising platform. There are charities doing amazing, amazing campaigns now that are raising millions and millions and millions of dollars. Guardian Con just did $4 million, Games Done Quick. It's happening a lot more tune of well over $100 million a year, and it's not a sort of small niche thing. It's something that happens now around the world on sites that are populated by a majority of the population compared to other mediums that people are on. And what I mean by that is you can take most, let's say, cable stations or television networks and you can compare them to daily viewership of Twitch and YouTube. I think Twitch is about 20 million daily active viewers and YouTube is about 30 million daily active viewers. There is no real channel on television that gets that kind of viewership. So the amount of people that are populating these channels, and that doesn't include Facebook Live and Mixer, Microsoft's platform, and people are using Twitter video and all the things that we work with, uh, Caffeine that's now out, DLive, uh, you know, live stream engagement is huge. It's global. And to me, it's a huge shift in the way that people want to participate. And I think that's what's really changing in fundraising. So for people listening right now, you threw a lot of different terms that I've never, ever heard of, right? Like, I don't I don't know what a, you know, a DLive is. I don't know what all of these terms are. And I feel as though maybe that is maybe what's what's turning off some folks. So just to, to be clear, we'll be sharing a bunch of links for the audience in uh, the wholewhale.com slash podcast. And you said one big number that hopefully got my attention, that got our attention. $100 million is being raised a year right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Tiltify alone has 700 charities that are now utilizing our platform. And the type of engagements that are happening are spanning small charities that may raise a few thousand to super well-known large charities like St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, like Red Nose Day, Stand Up to Cancer, United Way, Feeding America. These are all huge organizations that are getting into this space, and it's sort of showing where it's going when not only the smaller organizations, but these behemoth organizations are actually not just doing it, but putting resources into doing it. And that's where I see sort of the proof in the pudding is these are people who don't spend time and effort unless this is some something that produces results. Yeah. The issue I see here, though, uh, it, well, the opportunity I see is this still seems like early adoption curve. When you talk about only 700 charities then sort of like divvying up that pile of money and also if you were to say landscape wise like how many charities are actually recipients of that hundred million dollars it feels like that is a much narrower set than say you know generalized online giving or uh, other other giving opportunities is that a fair analysis that's a fair statement it is weighted towards certain charities that have been in it the longest that have put the most resources into it 
so far and certainly not equal between 700 charities. There are definitely market leaders that are currently dominating that market and utilizing it in a very particular way to their success. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you that it's still in early adoption phase. It's still being learned from. But the discussions that even we're having behind the scenes with charities and about what they're thinking of continues to become more interesting every few months that we have these discussions. And I think it's because of the numbers that we're seeing in the success rate. So just to sort of throw some numbers at you, typically a lot of fundraising platforms that you'll look at will average anywhere between 400 and maybe $800 per what they call an active fundraiser, you know, someone who's actually fundraising more than zero and is actually engaging to raise money. Tiltify averages 2185 per active fundraiser. And I think that's a mixture of reasons why that is. And the two key ones is the live streaming aspect. But the second one, which is talked about a lot less when people talk about live streaming, are the engagement features that we built to go along with the live streaming. For example, we have something called Milestones where you can donate to, you know, at $10,000, I'll shave my head. At $20,000, I'll, you know, do XYZ. I'll, you know, do the one chip challenge. People engaging into creating entertainment, which changes the value proposition a lot. Most fundraising pages, and a lot of times when I do a talks, I line these up, right? You can go through 99% of platforms and there are three things. And you can really line up every major platform in the space and their donation button text picture, donation button text picture. What we did is we looked at this very differently. We worked with the younger demographic and says, if you were to fundraise using these popular platforms that you use, Twitch, YouTube, how would you actually engage with people? And from there, we created these additional tools like having people's names pop up on the screen to announce them with instant recognition. It's those things added on to the live stream or in conjunction with that I think is really driving the difference. And that's the big opportunity here because that can be applied to anything. And it's time to feed the whales with a quick ad. Did you know that 83% of the people on average, according to MNR, that go to your donate page do not give? Check your doctor. Results may vary, but people leave your donate page at a staggering level. GetLighthouse.io allows you to create a list of emails that went to that donate page but didn't necessarily give, allowing you to send a note, a follow-up saying, Hey, how can I help you give? It connects to Google Analytics and MailChimp to add this functionality to your existing site. Go check it out at getlighthouse.io and back to our show. So you really do mean like the going back to the idea of like an interactive telethon. So for those that don't quite understand like why I'm watching like somebody play a game, like have you ever seen a telethon? Telethons worked. This is this generation's potential type of telethon content. And by the way, while you may be like fragging somebody in the game, you may be talking about the children that could be helped in St. Jude's um, as contrarian as that concept may seem. And then on top of it, there is, uh, it seems like a feed of sorts of people interacting and being like, hey, here's 50 bucks to, you know, lie down or do a dance or do the pom-pom. Right, exactly. So we have scenarios where people will play, let's say, Fortnite, and they'll create, we did, we saw this with both Ninja and Dr. Lupo, who both did Fortnite-driven 
fundraising streams on Tiltify for various char charities, and it would have opportunities like donate X amount of dollars and I won't be able to heal or donate X amount of dollars and I'll drop my weapon or, you know, they were actual interactive features to them participating, which was fun for people to interact. In addition to that, a lot of the money outside of that concept gets raised in between playing when they're able to speak to the audience, talk about the impact of the organization, the charity they're raising money for, and read donations and get involved with people. There's a little bit of a, I would call it a bit of a myth that gaming generally is doing the majority of the fundraising. To me, I do it akin to if you had an activity that brought a lot of people together, like let's say Bono is doing a concert and he'll raising money for one or red, you know, his charities. He has all these people gathered in this concert hall. And now that he has them there gathered to listen to his music, he can take a minute to talk about his humanitarian efforts, his charities, interact with them in certain ways and get them to donate. To me, this is no different. When somebody like Dr. Lupo is able to get people to come to his channel and gather because he's popular for doing different things like playing games like Fortnite. Now that he has those people, he can say, hey, now that I have you all here, here's something that's really important to me. Let me tell you why it's important. Let me tell you my thoughts on it. We can discuss it. And here's some incentives to be able to donate to it. And I think that's where a lot of this power is. It's Gaming has become that sort of gathering area around it but some people are famous for music and some people are famous for art streams and some people are famous for like the you know h3 podcast they don't play games they, they talk or someone like markiplier who is more of a variety streamer yes he'll play some games but sometimes he'll do a charity stream simply cooking breakfast and reading donations or sitting in a cold tub uh, and reading donations out. So it's really just about these sort of gathering channels that you know you can get a mass of people there. And once you have those people there, you can talk to them about, you know, causes that matter. What are the macro uh, indicators that suggests that this isn't just a, a flash in the pan that suggests that this is actually going to be baked into cultures moving forward as opposed to like, hey, remember when we all played Pogs in the 90s? That was cool. I think some of the big indicators are the amount of investment that's going into this side of the industry. When you have organizations like Google, Amazon, Facebook, Microsoft, uh, and, and others that are investing behind the scenes for even new platforms that are live, when you have all these organizations literally spending billions of dollars investing in live tech technology when someone like Netflix makes a statement that HBO isn't their competition, Fortnite is, uh, you're seeing sort of the power of this industry and watching all these organizations with a lot of really intelligent people spending a lot of money building this technology. And to me, that's only the beginning, it's going to continue to grow and continue to get more interactive. And not only that, but the technology that's being spent on building more interaction. I think this started a long time ago with reality shows, right? People like connecting with people in real life. Um, and I think 
you're starting to see that shift now. And now that live stream is more popular and bandwidth has been growing and now 5G is coming and it's going to get even more interesting. Uh, I think those are really, really large indicators that this isn't going anywhere. In addition to the fact of the extreme growth. I mean, we've been in this business since 2014, uh, and we've been obviously observing it for many years before that. But the amount of growth that we've seen on Tiltify growing hundreds of percentages each year in both users, funds raised, and charities participating is, is showing me how big it continues to grow. And the calls that we get, the people that reach out that we don't even reach out to that are exciting, that are enormous organizations from all the way around the world. We have charities that work with us in the UK, in Australia, in Germany, in Canada. The fact that this continues to keep growing and has not stopped one bit um, tells me that this isn't going anywhere for a long time. I think that's an important note. And really what we're talking about is following the attention. This is the game we're in. And to your point, like this is where the attention is going. And that is how we monetize all things in our current uh, macro economies. And your statement about Netflix is, is well pointed that, look, that is you know, not going away and everyone's paying attention to it, which means coming back to uh, is there, you know, is this still the beginning? Have I missed the boat? Because that can be the other feeling for organizations being like, oh, you know, like, it seems like I'm a, you know, Johnny come lately on this one. And I, uh, you know, I missed uh, the real opportunity to start in 2015 when it was beginning. Uh, like, I should have bought Bitcoin when it was a dollar. I bought a pizza instead <laughs> kind of feeling, right? Right. What I'm it's hearing. Definitely, yeah. yeah, I was going to say it's definitely not. It's definitely not too late. It's very early in the process, people that are doing phenomenal things like a St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, like a Children's Miracle Network Hospitals through Extra Life, these are organizations that came in relatively early and they're obviously reaping the benefits of their early adoption and moving quickly. But those took time to build up to what they are. They didn't start raising millions and millions of dollars year one. Uh, and it's very rare that that happens in a typical program of any kind with a charitable organization. So I think it's still the beginning. I think there's plenty of time for people to come in. But I do think that charities have to start paying attention to it right now because we continue to see a decline in certain types of fundraising. Like if you look at endurance events as a as a trend, they're generally have been declining over the last few years. And I think that says a little bit about what millennials, young millennials and Gen Z of how they're in, they're interacting and participating in things. You have a generation like Gen Z that grew up with certain technologies, with smartphones, and they're used to interacting a certain way, which is why I think live streaming is becoming so popular and why companies are spending billions of dollars on it, because it's it's a way that people interact now um, in, in many forms and fashions over many different types of of content. Uh, and to think about that from a charitable standpoint and, and how that can create programs or expand the programs that you have, I think is a really important thing for charities start, start to think about now because it will take a number of years to build up your program and your efficiency in this market. 
So let's dive into some of the, the stats you were talking about, the average being $2,185 per, uh, per fundraiser going on. Can you tell me a little bit more about the, you know, the average you know, sort of length? How long are these you know, telethon gaming uh, interactions? How many people end up giving? Um, you know, what, is, what does that actually look like, and what are some of the benchmarks I, could, I, can, I can key off? So one of the things I find really interesting is when you compare some of the classic statistics of a fundraiser traditionally to the general statistics of a live stream fundraiser. So through studies that we did through Tiltify internally of the tens of thousands of fundraisers that we've done, we noticed a few really cool facts. Um, One is from a typical fundraiser, depending on who you ask or what study you read, it is around two months that people would start a fundraiser, especially if there's a run walk involved, it could be longer, but people will literally run what I call a static fundraiser for a couple of months. A typical live stream fundraiser is about eight hours. So you think about the time difference in that scenario. The other fact that we learned was a live stream fundraiser typically raises money, raises money 37 times faster when it's live. So meaning for approximately every dollar that you're making while offline, if you were online, you would make $37 in the same amount of time, which is why we're seeing a lot of fundraisers go on for a couple hours and raise what, what really is astronomical amounts of money in a few hours. Like just a few weeks ago, as, an, as obviously as an extreme example, Dr. Lupo essentially broke the record of anything that I think anybody's seen by raising $920,000 in four and a half hours. Um, and that was with about 10,000 donors, you know, averaging a donation every 1.4 seconds. Uh, it's a completely different way of, of thinking about it and think of the general time it would take to raise that amount of money, but then even scale that down. We have a lot of fundraisers that are just, you know, not huge influencers that maybe 20 or 30 people will watch their channel. You know, maybe it's just friends and family. And we have many examples of people raising $2,000, $3,000, $5,000 doing a fundraiser one or two days with that small group of viewers so there's this yeah amazing let's impact. focus on that because i obviously like what grabs the headlines are are those sort of like mega moments which really mm-hmm. aren't re- reproducible i want to talk about the mean i want to talk about i'm going to set this up someone listening right now is going to set this up they've got medium brand reputation it's an eight million dollar revenue organization and i want them to understand that look you know Sarah Sue is going to go on there and she's going to get 30 people watching her stream for two hours and raise X. Like, what is that leveled expectation that you see in the data and and what we could look for? Sure. So one of my favorite examples is something called the Pickle Challenge. So the Pickle Challenge was started by a part-time streamer. This isn't someone who, you know, streamed full time on Twitch. Um, it was someone who, you know, would just stream in his spare time for fun, you know, not a partnered streamer, at least not at the time he was doing this. I don't know if he is now. Um, and, uh, he would, 
he basically realized through playing he would be watched by maybe a couple dozen people and they his friends and and fans that watched him uh realized that he would play magic is what he would play the the card game uh that he didn't like pickles so he ended up creating a fundraiser called the pickle challenge for doctors without borders and the challenge was that every $200 he raised, he would eat a pickle, which he hated. Um, and this grew to a, a huge opportunity where he would raise about – he would do about two pickle challenges a year and he would add things to them. If he got to 2,000, he would drink the pickle juice. Then in using oh, our disgusting. Yeah, and using our poll system – People could choose ingredients that he would put in the smoothie. Oh. And, yeah, and, and these. So would, this is just like a show. It's like what yeah, game is he like playing? He's just playing Magic: The Gathering and being yeah. interrupted to make a disgusting smoothie. Exactly. He would just have to stop and be like, "Oh man, I got to eat a pickle now." And he would sit down. He would put the camera on his face and zoom in, and and you know, eat away at his, at, at at you know a pickle that he couldn't stand. So he would do this, you know, twice a year. And really, from when he started this. On Tiltify, I think he did one prior to us existing. But from when he started doing this, from about 2015 uh, through about 2018, uh, he would do about two a year. And, you know, he would raise different amounts of money, sometimes 2000 sometimes 7000 one time 14000 But he raised just under $50,000. Now, take any average person and tell an organization that this this you know I, I don't mean to call him an average person in a negative way but only for the sake of describing you know from the a data perspective this is someone who represents yeah. the mean <laughs> yes exactly that it, a person that's in the mean can raise your organization $50,000 over 3 years is an enormous amount of money you know if you look at any statistics of what you're doing and that he could do this by doing two roughly I think he did 12 hours, two 12-hour streams a year. Um, so he would give up 24 hours of his time. Obviously, he had to plan it. But he would eat pickles, and he would play Magic, and he would raise this great amount of money. And if everybody could do this, uh, and if everybody was able to think about those kinds of opportunities and averages, I mean, the amount of money that people raise, like how we talked about where the average fundraiser typically raises, you know, four to eight hundred dollars. What we're seeing is just blowing these averages away. And it's really cool watching, you know, like you said, the, the, that sort of mean person, you know, raise thousands of dollars in hours versus, you know... Yeah, but the guy had to eat, like, 250 pickles. Like, what's the real cost, man? Yeah, what's the real cost? <laughs> like, what did that jar cost him? Five dollars? $5? And, and it cost charity nothing yeah. uh, in order to do that. And and the other thing that I think is super cool about this stuff is think of the fun viral content that that created uh, just off doing that. I mean, how often do you read about some random you know, run, walk fundraiser that you're like, Oh, how cool was that? I watched a highlight of that on YouTube or Instagram. That doesn't really happen that often, but I watch clips from charitable fundraisers that were live streamed all the time that are hilarious and go viral and get tweeted about. So that's creating more awareness for the charities too. 
Yeah, I like that double um, that double opportunity there with uh, awareness being a function uh, and byproduct that doesn't come from just a cold donate button, right? You're getting actual minutes and hours of uh, of awareness built into why that person supports your cause from their you know from their lips. Yeah, uh, I want to touch back though because you used uh, you used a forbidden word. You no. made the assumption that something was free for nonprofits, and that's when my alarm bells <laughs> go off. And hopefully, I've trained everyone listening to be like, when someone says free, you know what they're actually meaning. So let's let's unpack that. How sure. much? How much time? Honestly, if I'm going to launch this next week, next month, how much time should I expect to dedicate? Is this a one-person job, part of one person? Do I need a team? Architect the best toe-in-the-water strategy for this. So there's two streams here that is a little bit unique to the way that Tiltify functions as a platform. So Tiltify is kind of a hybrid between your classic crowdfunding platform a little bit like a GoFundMe where anybody can go on and raise money at any time and a more classic peer-to-peer platform like a TeamRaiser or a Classy or a Donor Drive where everybody is siloed. Usually if you're on XYZ Charities page on these other platforms, you can't see or find the other charities. Tiltify functions more of like a community. So because of that, there's two distinct things that happen. One of those things, which is what happened with the Pickle Challenge, is you get what we refer to as drive-by traffic. So this was a fundraiser that was run relatively independent of Doctors Without Borders. They didn't go out and cultivate it. It wasn't part of a program that they created. It literally just happened to their benefit without them having to work on it in any way, shape, or form. Um, so, you know, they may have not even known it was happening, which happens actually, uh, I have many stories of charities being completely surprised by people raising money for them randomly outside of the program. So that's sort of part one. Part two is more what you're asking, which is the programs like something like St. Jude Play Live, um, uh, where it is a targeted program or Extra Life is another good example, where there are targeted programs that are built out by a charitable organization to engage a particular community around either a particular time frame, or it could be all year, or it could be for a particular month. Um, so for those, one, you need at least one dedicated person. I can't imagine, and I before this I was a charity consultant and I did a lot of events and different types of engagements. I can't imagine any charity attempting to run a gala or a run walk or a golf tournament without someone who is dedicated to that particular event. So if you're going to get into the live stream business from a fundraising organization, I certainly think it is a must to have at least one person. Ideally, you should have two or three as you grow, but that's certainly scalable depending on what size of an organization you want. But I think it is a must to have at least one because you need someone who, A, understands this type of technology. Some of this stuff is very new to people, and and there's a lot of great people that you can go out and find who really understand this. Um, And two, um, you need to be able to get into the consciousness of these communities. You should think about 
where the people involved in these are. They're at uh, con- uh, conventions like PAX. There's PAX East, there's PAX West, there's PAX South. There's TwitchCon, and usually they're they're drawn to a person, um, like Zach Witten, who created St. Jude's Play, Play, Play Live, for example, is an incredibly engaging person and engaged in the community, and now his whole team is fantastic and engaged in that community. Jeremy Adams, who created Extra Life, is a, a very engaging person. Um, and, you know, it's, it's these really great people who help envision and create these programs. So I think in order to get to there, you have to try and find somebody who's going to champion this concept for you and move that forward. In addition to that, and obviously I'm, I'm, I'm on one sort of side of this for sure, is you need the, the proper technology. Um, we've seen many examples that this is a concept that a lot of people don't completely understand all the elements in it and will try to – it's something that I think looks deceptively simple where people look at live streaming and they say, oh, okay, so I can just embed a live stream on a page and an influencer or somebody can go live and fundraise for me and then I'm going to raise a lot of money. Um, and it's some sort of magic bullet. Whereas there's, especially on Tiltify, there's very specific technologies that we've created that make a huge difference where we've seen people do a live stream on another platform and raise, you know, I mean, a specific example is one that was on another platform and raised 30000 and literally moved to Tiltify, and that same one raised 450000 Um We've seen very extreme examples, but also ones that raised 1000 and then raised 4000 and so on and so forth, where there's a huge difference in the technology that you use because the technology for this demographic is different. They want to be able to engage in certain ways. Just linking to that classic static page we talked about is not really an appropriate solution. And charities, I think, need to understand that, that technology matters as much as it does with your run walks and different things you do as it does with live streaming, um, if not more because the technology is very new and different and there are different challenges here. And you really have to look into what you're using and how you're using it. What does it look like on a local level? Because it's clear if I'm going to go out there and run a Tough mutter, I need shoes, I need shorts, I need a number. What does a fundraiser need to have in order to, to properly execute um, one of these fundraisers? I think on a basic level, you need a laptop or PC, and you need a very basic webcam. You know, something like the most popular webcam is like the Logitech C920, for for example. Or I think that one is discontinued now. It's the C920S. Um, it's a very uh, cost-effective camera. It's under $100. Um, and it's what a lot of broadcasters use unless you become a professional broadcaster. But really that and your laptop, and you would technically be good to go to be live and talk to your friends and family and create entertainment. If you want to play video games, you have another step where you have to create, you have to have something called the capture card, which will capture the gameplay that you're on and put that into your stream. But all of the platforms around this are relatively free, meaning you can join Twitch for free, YouTube, uh, Mixer, you know, Facebook gaming, whatever sort of streaming 
platform you decide to use. Um, but you can go on Twitch, for, for example, for free, create an account for free. And then now you have your live stream technology, so, so to speak, and even the programs that you typically use to do this, uh, which may be confusing at first, but there are guides on sites like Twitch. Um, the two main programs are, are OBS um, and XSplit. Um, but OBS, for example, is free. So you have a free piece of software, a free live streaming platform. Um, and then if you own a computer, um, and, and you get a webcam, you're good to go. If you play a video game, you get a capture card. Um, and maybe you want to grab a, a cost-effective mic uh, if you don't have one. But other than that's that's really your equipment right there. Um, and you have it all the time. So it's something that could last you, you know, years once you have that particular equipment, not something that you would necessarily destroy, like destroying your shoes or your clothes for Tough mutter or having to repay for some sort of, you know, registration every year. Um, usually it's, it's very cost effective. I think this is helpful to make it tangible and understanding like what, you know, at the soup to nuts level uh, are uh, are the tools necessary and it's not a, a one click and go kind of do it. And thank you for being honest, too, about the like, oh, it can take staff. Uh, it takes that time to, to properly execute it. Obviously, you can uh, start at whatever level you're ready for, but... Uh, I am I am newly invigorated uh, about this opportunity, and I can't wait to you know attempt to start it up for many different nonprofits. Uh, before we move into rapid fire, are are there any final takeaways, misunderstandings, or thoughts you wanna you wanna give our audience? The two big misconceptions that I hear a lot that I end up explaining to. Most charities that I speak to have to do with the gaming space and what it is. And we talked about this a little bit er earlier as well. But those are that, A, that gaming specifically has something to do with how much money is raised. It is typically the influencer, the entertainer, the, the, the fundraiser and whatever type of entertainment they do. The fact is that gaming was just the early adopter of it and has a community. But if that person had the same community for playing music or same community for doing art, it would be the same concept. So I think one, there's a concept, there's a misconception that this is a gaming specific concept. Uh, gamers were just sort of first to market, but it can really be done in any fashion and we continue to see it move into all sorts of different things. The second thing that I find is a big mis misconception, which also, ha which also has to do with gaming, is that this has something to do specifically with esports. Um, esports is the business of professional gameplay, which is awesome. I actually watch a lot of esports. Um, but from a fundraising stand standpoint, when it comes to live stream fundraising, I am hard pressed. And I had this discussion with somebody actually this morning. I am hard pressed to find a good example of a of a real esports live stream fundraiser. Most of the big fundraisers that you see or hear about are more casual gaming or people who are incredibly entertaining streamers who also happen to be good at games, but are not pro players. Um, and I think there's a big difference to that because I think it shows how people who are really good at connecting with their audience and really good at entertaining can raise a lot of money, which, which can translate to anything. I mean, that's what the old like Jerry Lewis telethon was about, 
right? Jerry Lewis was great at connecting with people. And I think that at the core of it is what's really raising the money. And I think when charities sort of acknowledge that and see that, they can really see how they can apply this concept to so many things that they do. And I really try and push to to spread that word around to let them know that this can be anything you want it to be. It's about being live and connecting with your audience in any form of entertainment. I think those are great end notes. Uh, Alrighty, we're going to move into rapid fire. Please keep your responses to about 30 seconds. Do you believe that nonprofits can successfully go out of business? I do. I do think they, they can go out of business. I think, um, I mean, I think they can go out of business for uh, different reasons. When's the question successfully go, go out of business? Do you believe they can successfully go out of business? Um, successfully go out of business. Um, I think it's possible. I think there are certain nonprofits that deal with certain issues that can be solved. I mean, I think that's the hope. I think if they can't and we don't think that they can, then we're all kind of in trouble from, you know, conceptually. If I were to toss you in the hot tub time machine back to when you were first starting with Tiltify in the beginning, what advice would you give yourself? Um, <laughs> don't do the first idea that Tiltify was, <laughs> which was a slightly different website. I have to follow up. What What did you build? <laughs> so the first idea of Tiltify was really about playing with celebrities online through Xbox and PlayStation, which isn't a terrible idea, but is completely unscalable um, as a large-scale fundraising platform. And it was only later that we moved it into, oh, wait, live streaming is a better idea, uh, and kind of shifted it to that. And that's when everything really took off. What is something you think you or your organization should stop doing? Worrying so much. I feel like I just, me as a person, I just worry too much about too many things that are out of our control. And I try to tell myself and my staff that you kind of just, you know, things will happen good or bad and you just can't stress about it too much. If you had a Harry Potter style wand to wave across the industry, what would it do? Consolidate. It would consolidate a lot of the organizations that I think could work together to save a ton of overhead and maximize their funds. How did you get started in the social impact sector? When I was, I used to, I used to produce movies. And when I was on a break, someone that I knew from a a children's hospital locally asked me to help with celebrity outreach for the children's Christmas party and I did and it going there and hanging out with the children was one of the most rewarding and life-changing experiences of my life um, then the recession happened in 2008 but people kept calling me about this sort of celebrity charity interaction and um, I, I got into it from there and realized as I started to do it that I really loved uh, helping charities and and at, at the time helping kids What advice would you give college graduates looking to enter the social impact sector? Think hard about technology in in social impact. Uh, Think about problems that exist in in the world that and how technology may help them. Um, And to me, that's the the future of of what's going to be needed in, in this industry. And I think at that point, you'd be incredibly valuable to any organization. 
Michael, you've survived this far, this long. The final question. <laughs> How do people find you? How do people help you? Um, anybody can go to tiltfly.com. Obviously, they can find me uh, on Twitter at MD Wasserman um, or on LinkedIn. Anybody can find me or email me, Michael at tiltfly.com. Um, we're always love to hear from new people. Find us. And if any, you know, charities need help or want to look into it or any people want to expand, definitely hit us up. I think you've given us a lot to think about. Thank you so much for your time and expertise, Michael. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Lots to think about and to explore here on episode number 138. You can find those resources at wholewhale.com slash podcast and just find episode, you guessed it, number 138, where you're going to find links uh, and resources that were mentioned in this podcast. If you have a minute, we play a little game called Try to Go Up in the Rankings of iTunes. And to play this game, I need ratings. Uh, so look, if you've been appreciating this podcast for some time, or even if this is your first episode, hey, leave us a quick rating uh, on iTunes. Find the Whole Whale Podcast and, you know, give us a thought. Give us a star or two. Actually, no, if you have a star or two, just email me those on the side, and I'll fix whatever's broken. Thanks for listening. This has been Using the Whole Whale. For more resources on today's show, please visit wholewhale.com slash podcast and consider following us on Twitter at Whole Whale. And thanks for joining us. Greg Thomas, you rock. Thanks, man, for the music. gregthomasmusic.org. That's where you should get all of your music.